I mean, it would eat me alive to ever think that someone left this organization because they did they thought that I didn't care how they feel, right? And mm-hmm. they, they maybe they didn't matter or something like that. So because whatever, however they feel, that's how their customers are going to feel. Well, there you go. Because the right? attitude is atmosphere. So 100%. if a customer doesn't come in and feel safe buying a car here and having fun, um, I mean, it, it doesn't do me any good. Don't wait around for the up bus. Get in the driver's seat and take control of your operations. Are you ready to increase profitability, have better processes, and get proactive with your operations? Welcome to the Up Boss Podcast. Here's your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of the Up Boss. Yes, I stole the bus from Jason Rice, and I'm out doing some podcasts because, well, that's just what I do. Um, today, I am here at Gary Crosley Ford with Todd Gentry. Um, Todd, thanks for taking the time to come jam with me, man. Yeah, glad to do it. Yeah, this is going to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> Have you done a podcast before? Yes. Okay, yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not your first then. No, this is okay. my first. <laughs> Unfortunately, you don't get to be that guy. Man. Don't get to be that guy. Don't get to be that guy. <laughs> well, well, Todd, we are... We're in the up bus, this mystical unicorn that our industry has joked about for so many years. Yes. I mean, I'm curious, man, when's the first time you heard that term, the up bus? Uh, so there was an older guy. Well, not a, <laughs> he's a veteran to the business. He walks out the front door when the UPS truck showed up one day. And he pops on. He obviously had a relationship with the UPS guy. And he pops on. He's looking around in there. And I was like, what's he looking for? And he comes back out. He's like, yep, walks inside. He's like, no ups in there, you know. And I was like, oh, okay, that makes more sense because I've always heard it, you know, <laughs> hey, go take that up or go talk to that customer and, and uh, always referred to him as up. And then the ups bus, the UPS bus, I was like, oh, okay, that makes <laughs> sense. So that's the first time I ever heard it. And it was hilarious. The, Tim Parnikot, if you know the guys, he's a funny dude. But yeah. <laughs> That was the first time you heard of it. Huh? First time, yep. Well, I know we have always kind of joked about it. I mean, I know the first time I heard of it, it was I think I was standing outside, probably doing something I wasn't supposed to, and I remember my manager yelling from outside of the door, "Jason, what are you doing? Are you waiting for the up bus? Get inside!" Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it's just like, and at that time I was like, "Is this like that's a thing? Yeah. Did these people actually show up on a bus? Like I got a little excited. No, I thought it was a joke, but you know, it was, uh, it was funny when me and Jason rice were, you know, talking about kind of doing this podcast, the up bus, we're like, Oh yeah, that should be fun. You know? Then when he told me he had this crazy idea that he was actually going to build it, I was like, you're nuts, man. So from my understanding, he went out and bought it, brought it to you guys to get a recondition. How bad, how bad was the ship? Was it pretty gnarly? Uh, it was pretty rough. So I actually drove this bus to South Dakota. No way. A, with a group of friends. Uh, my buddy had this bus, and he messaged uh, Jason messaged me on Marketplace. He's like, hey, do you know this guy? He's like, yeah, it's one of my best friends. And he's like, what do you know about that bus? I'm like, well, it runs good. I drove it all the way to South Dakota. And uh, I think we had a fuel filter issue, and that was it. You know, So it was a great great bus he's like well i kind of want to buy it so i went and picked it up brought it here yeah um couldn't really do a ton of reconditioning on it because we're not much of a bus place but <laughs> it was uh you know it definitely looks a lot different now than it did whenever we I think it. He put a fair amount of work into this thing yeah. but i'm excited like we've been driving around you know today and we've been popping in and out of some dealerships and i'm telling you those sales people are jumping out they're taking the photos they and they're just like oh, i've been waiting my whole life for this this is crazy you know it's actually been built but well, i didn't have to i didn't have to guess or watch out the door for when you guys got here because people were coming to my office they were like todd did you see that bus outside <laughs> i'm like oh okay so jason's here yeah, yeah. 
So that's kind of cool. Well, I think it's cool because we've always kind of had this kind of negative kind of connotation around the, you know, what this is. But, you know, uh, Jason kind of taken it, took ownership of it. And it's like, let's turn it into something positive, right? You know, it's like, you know, this idea of being reactive and always kind of waiting around for this thing to show up. Here we're like, hey, let's know. Let's 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 be proactive, right? Let's let's jump in the driver's seat and, you know, take ownership of it and really drive it. And, and I think that's so cool because, you know, right now that's so perfect you know, for our industry and kind of just what's going on right now. And I want to get into that with you. But before I do that, I love kicking off these podcasts with a little origin story, right? A, because honestly, Todd, I'm, I'm always fascinated, right? Like, I don't feel like anybody just wakes up one day and goes, huh, yeah, I'm going to spend a decade of my life or a couple, you know, in the automotive industry. So I got to yeah. ask you, Todd, how did you start in this crazy little world we call the automotive industry? Um, well, I was buying my cars here at Crosley and I bought my fourth car and they were like, Hey, you just should, you should just come sell cars. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I went back home and you know, I was, I was, I had a body shop at the time. It was a one man show. It wasn't yeah. a big operation or anything. And so I was doing that and I'd had some back problems and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to apply down there. That would be kind of fun. Maybe I'll just go work, you know, <laughs> just go 40 work, hours work. a week and then come home, do body work at night and have benefits at the dealership. <laughs> and uh, my first month in the business, uh, I crushed it. I was just out here making friends, you know, and uh, I got my paycheck and I was like, wow, okay, well, I think I'll quit doing body work. This is, uh, <laughs> this, I had a lot more fun that month than I've ever had doing anything else, uh, you know, so the so rest you got, you got sucked. History. You got bit by the bug. That's I did. What happened. I got sucked in. You got sucked in. Yeah. So now, and you've spent your whole career. Then you've been here the whole time. I've been though. here. I started out as a salesperson here. Nice. Um, yeah. And I'm the GSM now. So yep. It's you know what this industry. It's an interesting one. You know, I always kind of refer to this industry. You know, if you know, it's you ever watch that Christmas movie Rudolph and the Island of Misfit Toys. No. Okay, so there's this really old movie. There's just, and I've always kind of talked about it. We're this island of misfit toys. You know, we come from all kinds of different backgrounds and different places. And some people with MBAs, other people didn't even finish high school. You know, or yeah, you know. And, but but it's just it's automotive and it's awesome and it's fun, right? You know, and we've come off the last few years and being little stressed out you know and you know we're finally getting to a place now where i think we can kind of get back into the swing of things and really like the bus implies being proactive in 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 what we do in our operations so you know you know you being a manager which i gotta be honest you know, that's tough right like i've been there I've, I've, you know it's like sometimes hurting cats yeah right um you know what, what was what was some of the Maybe eye-opening, eye-opening experiences, you know, that uh, that you had becoming a manager. What was what was a surprise to you? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, the biggest surprise is the amount of people that uh, you have to force to get out of their own way. You know, <laughs> right? Um, which I was there early on in my career, right? I understood it, having responsibilities and you know, lots of bills and stuff like that. But you know, I think it took lasted eight or ten months, and I was like, okay, well, I'm here all day. I just will make the most of it. Uh, that's been the biggest surprise still is the biggest surprise to this day is how much you have to push people just to get out of their own way, mm -hmm. you know? And that's tough. It is. That's tough. Cause it, we, we, we get in our heads sometimes and it's just like, you know, we got to get pushed out of that. And, you know, and that, that, that's, you know, that's what a good leader does, you know, at end of the day. So, all right. So what are some of the ways you get them to kind of get out of them, get out of their own head and get well, back to work? I think rolling out the mirror for them okay. is probably like the that. biggest thing for me is, I try to be really honest with them. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes too honest to where, you know, it might hurt some feelings initially, but I explain to them why I'm being that way. Because sometimes I wish I would have had that leadership too. 
you know, mm-hmm. where maybe not at this dealership, but uh, at other things I've done in life is just being able to have someone that's like, hey, dumbass, you know, <laughs> what are you thinking? Right. Right. This is what you just said to that customer. This is what you just did. Or this is what you just told me. Right. You told me that you didn't do these activities because X, Y and Z. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, shit. Yeah, that is pretty stupid. You know, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, so I'm brutally honest with the guys um, yeah. and I'm not perfect by any means. Um, but to me. That's what I always wanted, and mm-hmm. it's difficult to find that nowadays. So that's the way I do it. It's just I just tell them. Now, did you did you have some good mentors kind of in the business? What what was some of the maybe key things you learned from you know some of those folks? Well, um, I mean, uh, one of my biggest mentors is Todd, who owns the store, mm-hmm. um, and you know he's the one he basically just he would roll the mirror out for me sometimes. He would repeat stuff that I'd said to him, I'm like, "Oh, that sounds really stupid," you know. <laughs> But it's something that I had told him that he was repeating to me, and then he'd just walk away. You know, so I was like, okay, well, I could do that, but then I could explain why I'm do, uh, you know, saying that to my, my team or yeah. a, a certain individual or whatever it was. And he always did it in a one-on-one setting. Uh, he never embarrassed me in front of everybody. Um, so I learned a lot in the car business from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, obviously, I've had a lot of other big mentors, you know, my father, my grandfather, my uncles. Um you know, early on, I uh, worked for a guy in, in Well, you uh, said you did hometown. body work before. So uh-huh. was was cars kind of always like Cars has thing? always been my thing. All right, all yeah. right. All right. Yeah, growing up, my best friend, Jonathan, he was always into cars. And so I was always into cars, too. But I was more of a truck guy. He was a car guy. <laughs> okay, so I got to ask. Yeah. Your first ride. What was it? My first car was a 93 Mercury Cougar XR7. A Cougar? Yeah. Ragtop. Black. <laughs> ragtop. Black on black with black interior. It had the, uh, what was it, the 4.6? Yep. Um... Yeah, I used to do burnouts right outside of Sonic and Cameron <laughs> all the time. Because there's one-wheel peel, but it was still cool. <laughs> Racked up, down. I, sorry, the Vanilla Ice song is playing in the back of my head right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> that, that is so cool. Um, so let's going back to, you know, just kind of being proactive in leadership and stuff like that. You know, for, you know, for folks out there, you know, watching this. I mean, one of the things you said that I thought was really kind of interesting is, is just being honest and, and being creative be able to create a safe place to be honest right you know because i don't always find you know um that that we intentionally do that but you have to be intentional mm-hmm. all right to be able to create a safe place where you can be honest but it doesn't sound like you're just coming off as a dick right, right? and it's so funny because you know i've well i've worked for them and i think everybody has at some point where it was just like you know they're saying things, but you just it doesn't it doesn't connect, right? It's not that mirror. So you know how how do you do that for kind of your team? How do you how do you create that safe place to be able to have that honest conversation? Well, I mean, I say it in every meeting. So we have every meeting. We have meetings after meetings after meetings. But the beginning <laughs> of shift every day, I'm like, hey, does anybody have anything they want to go over? Right? Yeah. Um, sometimes they will. Sometimes they won't. Um, but I don't know. I guess it's just something that we've done for so long here that it doesn't really have to be coached or preached or anything like that because they know that they can talk about it. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we get a little bit of emotional, uh, especially <laughs> when there's a customer on the showroom floor. Sure. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And sometimes emotions fly too. Yep. But these guys know that even when the emotions fly at the end of the day, once the customer's satisfied, we're going to sit down and we're going <laughs> to apologize to each other and build each other and say, Hey, here's why I said what I said. I reacted this way. And uh, it just creates a great environment, you know. Our team is, I mean, we're pretty tight-knit. Well, so. it, and, and I, can, I can tell that you, you you kind of have a natural way of creating that safe place to be able to do that. I love the fact that you actually brought, like, I love finding rabbit holes, so I'm, I'm cool to go down this rabbit hole, right, of, you know, kind of having the emotional intelligence. Because i got to be honest with you, I wasn't like that. 
or I really wasn't. When I when I was a manager, I just I wasn't mentored that, you know, as as a manager, right? You know, um, I remember I remember this one young this one lady who worked for me one time for as a Christmas gift. She, you know, she knitted this this pillow for me, right? And on the pillow it says, "Shut the fuck up and get back to work," right? And uh, that was kind of an eye-opening moment for me okay. because she thought it was funny, and I think everybody else thought it was funny. And I was like, man, I say that enough that people decide to stitch it into a pillow <laughs> and give it to me as a Christmas gift. Like, I had to be like, I had that, that was that aha moment, and I'm like, you know what? <clears throat> Maybe I'm not creating that safe place where you know we can really have you know a conversation or maybe about your performance or what's going on. Yeah, you know, and so it was it was eye opening for me. But I think that's something kind of in our industry, you know, that that we struggle with. You know, emotional intelligence is something I had to learn. Do you find that that comes a little natural to you, or did you kind of have to figure your way out with that? Uh, I mean, it comes a little bit natural to me, I guess, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't know why. And of course, again. There's still times where I'm like, shut the fuck up and get back to work. <laughs> right? right? I mean, that still happens daily. Uh, so, again, by no means perfect. But the emotional intelligence, I think it just kind of, it does. I was very, uh, uh, growing up, I was very emotional. I was always paying attention to what people were saying and doing. Because uh, I could just kind of grow up in an atmosphere where you wondered what people were thinking about you, right? Yep. Um, and so, because, who is it? Cooley. It's... Uh, I am not what I think I am. I'm not what you think I am, but I am what I think you think I am. Exactly. Right. So that That's quote's always one. stuck with me. Um, and so I want to make sure that my team thinks that I'm a, you know, I'm, I've got their best interests at heart. I'm always going to be in their corner. Uh, so I make sure that I'm doing, saying, and acting that way, you know, as to where they can always come to me. Um, and I don't have to worry about their emotions because emotions are, I mean, we're in a, we're also in a time in life where like emotions are weird. It's you true. never know what people are thinking. You never know what somebody else has got going on. Um, and I would hate it. I would absolutely just, I mean, it would eat me alive to ever think that someone left this organization because they did, they thought that I didn't care how they feel. Right. And mm-hmm. they, they, maybe they didn't matter or something like that. So, because whatever, however they feel, that's how their customers are going to feel. Well, there you go. Because the right? attitude is atmosphere. So 100%. if a customer doesn't come in and feel safe buying a car here and having fun, um, I mean, it, it doesn't do me any good. No, no, you're hundred so, yeah. percent right. And I actually kind of glad that you kind of you know went down that direction because, you know, um, I found out is that as I became more emotionally intelligent and started creating safe places to have real conversations with my staff, is that that did one hundred percent bleed over into that overall customer experience. And I definitely did not think, like, that was my intention. I was mm-hmm. just like, man, I'm being a dick. I got to stop doing this, you know? Um, but I found that that customers were happier. Like, my staff was happier. It was so funny how I saw this balance between, like, staff happiness and customer happiness. And it was like, wait a second. Something's going on. My staff's happier. My customer's happier. Yeah. What's going on here? It's you weird. know? Do you, you, you see the same thing happen? Yeah, 100%. And it really positively affects, you know, kind of the culture of it. So... I think it's kind of my next question for you. Now, how would you kind of describe the culture that you've kind of created here? Um, well, I mean, really, I inherit—I mean, I inherited a great culture uh, as a, I guess, as a general sales manager mm-hmm. because that's always been Todd's biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, in the Crosley families, Gary, obviously, um, the the OG. The OG. Uh, so, <laughs> it was very easy for me because that's that's the atmosphere I was brought into. Um, that's the atmosphere I lived at home. Uh, my on both sides of my family and all that. So it was very easy for me. Yeah. Um, I didn't have to do anything groundbreaking or, you know, start at ground zero to get the culture you built up to what it is. This, this I kind was of kind of gifted thing, this culture. Right? Yeah, and then I cool. just kind of got to, you know, 
I guess, harbor it and, and try to make it better. And Well, well maintaining, I think, yeah. is one of the most difficult things, right? It like, is. I think it's one thing. You know, it's funny. It's like, you know, you can go a few weeks with a great culture, all right, but time is what really proves its success, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, for maybe people out there watching and listening to us right now, you know, what would be some of the suggestions that you may have around, you know, maintaining and keeping that kind of culture within the dealership? Yeah. Don't overpromise. Um, I like that because it's it's I've done it. Yeah, you know where I'm like, hey, this is a great idea. I'll think it out. I'll, I'll be methodical about it. I'm like, we're going to start doing this, and then all of a sudden, it's not it's not sustainable. It's not something I have time to to manage every single day. And so, you know, there's been times where I've overpromised to my team things that I'm going to do to help enhance the culture here at the store, mm-hmm. and I can't follow through with them. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just too much going on, and so sometimes when I get excited about an idea that I have, I have to kind of reel myself back in. And I've got a great team. I've got a great management team that helps reel me in too. Yeah. You know, where they're like, Hey Gentry, hold on a second. You know, I think you're getting a little <laughs> bit gung ho about this idea you've got. Uh, you know, you're talking kind of loud. Somebody might hear you say this. I'm like, okay, you're right. So, um, not over promising. Cause when you over promise and you tell your team, you're going to do something and you don't do it. That's one that's, tick against you. That's a deflation you know, right there. Isn't it's it? going to kill Just you. You know, take and the air right out of your balloon. Yeah. So then the next time you do something, you have to kind of overdo it to mm. prove to them. Well, then if you don't overdo it and you just do it, then it's like, ah, you know, okay. Then the next time, you know, so just one of those things you have to be cautious of is if you're going to do something for your team, do something for your team. You know, don't, don't do it and let somebody tell you it's a bad idea and be like, well, I'm not going to do that because so-and-so said it's a bad idea. (laughs) Uh, You know, even maybe another member of management or something like that. Just if you say you're going to do it. Uh, Now I got to ask a good example because like, what is one of those things that that, that you did that, you know, really felt like, oh, yeah, okay, that worked. That that helped culture. People are happy. You know, can do you have an example of one maybe? Um, man, I got, there's tons of examples. I'm trying <laughs> to think of something that's like a really big one. Um, I don't know. I mean, to me, probably the biggest thing that's, that's helped, hmm, we have weekends off. So we came up with a new whoa, schedule. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on, hold on. Yeah. Did, did we get that on camera? <laughs> yeah. Did we? Okay, just making sure. Okay, um, I just I just want to make sure I heard what I yeah. thought I heard. Um, okay, explain that one to me because okay. I'm interested. So we have weekends <laughs> off. So um, Todd and I went to uh, Detroit for uh, what was that for? It wasn't the. It was a guest immersion, is what it was. Basically, just speaking on how we Ford was speaking on how we need to be able to cater to you know the world that we live in now. It's yeah. just you know there's everyone's got feelings and emotions and. You know, there's him, he, her, they, them, all the yes. different stuff, right? Yep. Uh, agree or disagree with it. It's something that we have to be it ready is what for. It is. You know, so, uh, you know, they basically kind of showed us how many women are in our market, how many, you know, uh, Chinese, blacks, whites, all of this different stuff, and how we stack up against them for how we're staffed, right? Sure. And what percentage of women work here and what percentage of men and black and white and Hispanic and all this other stuff. So... Um, when we were there, there was a gentleman there that said that he gave his sales team weekends off and Todd and I never got to connect with the guy. And so it's something that him and I had kind of crossed paths. We're like, Hey, yeah. you hear about that weekend, that guy with weekends off. I'm like, ah, oh, cause I heard a really it. rare idea. Yeah, I heard about it, but I never, I didn't know which guy it was in the crowd that had said that. And he's yeah. like, yeah, well, I know who it is. I'm going to go talk to him. Well, we never got to talk to this guy. So I was sitting there talking with Jamie cook, one of our finance managers, mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, I really want to figure out a way to come up with weekends off for these guys. He's like, dude, you're never going to figure that out. I'm like, I really think we can figure that out. Well, Jamie likes a good challenge. Sure. And so he helped me develop the schedule to where every manager in the building, in the, in the sales side, in the variable side, 
every manager, every salesperson, every finance manager, everybody has at least one three-day weekend a month. So it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Wow. So they get 12 of those a year. Um, That's huge. And we were able to develop that. We didn't, you know, mess with pay, anything like that. Like nothing was, nothing was, nothing negatively impacted them. Um, and we're up year over year. You know, we're up seven percent from last year, and last year was a good year. You know, we got number one well, in the state. It's that happier and, staff, happier customers. Yeah. You know, and you know, I mean, look here. Here's a here's here's the bottom line. You didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. Like no. that's what you know. It you didn't have to figure it out. You didn't have to spend the time or commit to a process to being able to to build that out and craft it out you know but i I think it says a lot about you know that's that's kind of the the showing up it's the saying it but also showing up and doing it Mm -hmm. you know kind of a thing because you know that's big i mean i remember like when i was in the automotive industry when i was selling cars you know it was bell to bell there's a reason why we have the slogan bell to bell you know and it was like i swear i the f and i manager was had it out for me or something like he purposely you know, schedule deliveries like on my day off, you know, right. like, are you bloody, are you serious? Like, like really out of all the times I got to do it, you know? And, and, you know, and if you had a customer and it was the end of your shift, your manager was just going, you know, like, yeah, you know, but I look, and that is definitely one thing that our auto, that the automotive industry has had uh, kind of that reputation of not necessarily being, you know, that, that balance, that family life, family work life balance. And you guys have made the commitment to doing that. That's pretty cool. How was that? Uh, how was the staff's uh, feelings about that? How did they feel about it? Oh, that? man. You know, thought we, yeah, you thought we gave them all a million dollars, you know. But, you know, it's, it's, it's empathy, you know, because I remember yeah. being a sales guy with a young family, um, which was not that long ago. And how much my family had to sacrifice for me, you know, because we kind of had that old, old school management, which, again, those guys even are, you know, uh, huge <laughs> mentors of mine. So it wasn't a bad thing. It's just that's all they knew, too. Yeah. Um, but I don't want these guys to have to sacrifice it and have to think, you know, every day when they come into work, like, man, is this, is this something I can do for the rest of my life? Well, 100% is something you can do for the rest of life because you're yeah. not going to have to sacrifice it. You know, if these guys ask for time off to go to a, a kid's game or whatever it is, like, sure. we're there is nobody here that says no. Now, if you've got two cars out and it's the last week of the month, eh, might be a conversation <laughs> worth having. But, uh, you know, if, if somebody's here every day and they're doing their job and they've got good CSI, we'd never tell anybody no for vacation, time off, none of that stuff. So, Well, it's know. those kind of little things that kind of add up to culture, mm-hmm. right? You know, I think, I think if you're out there watching and listening right now and, you know, what you've kind of identified is that it's never one big thing that, you know, really kind of creates the culture of a dealership, you know, or it creates even the experience for the customer. It's never one big thing. Because if it was a big thing, we'd fix it. Yeah. Right? Done, yeah. Like, we'd figure it out. Like, oh, okay, I need to go over there and move this or change that or, you know, what it is. But it's always the little things that add up to being kind of big deals. And I think that's kind of a good segue into, you know, the next question I want to ask you around the customer experience, right? Because, you know, we've talked about kind of the, you know, to have a good customer experience, foundationally you need to have happy staff and that staff experience needs to be a good experience now um things will change a lot right yes. i mean the customers changed i mean yes i've been in the business for a while you've been in the business for a while and it's just like wow what you know 
what the pandemic did, you know, to the customer, good or bad, just what it did to it. You know, the expectations were here, and the expectations are here. You know, it's like they expect Amazon experience from everyone. I just go yeah. in there and I press a button, and something shows up, right? You know, um, but I think it's those little things, the little commitments that we make to the to that customer experience that makes a big one. So I'm curious, maybe some of the little things that you guys have committed that you know creates that overall customer experience here at the dealership yeah well i mean it's it's what we tell the guys in every single every single day mm-hmm. we have the easiest job in the world because what we are willing to do the next guy is not willing to do the next dealership's not going to do it mm-hmm. right so if that means grabbing a car and the customer's uncommitted on coming in coming in for an appointment to look at the edge and they live 15 minutes down the road or they have a pleasant valley address or a carney address or cameron address <clears> even for that matter get in the car and say hey I'm in the edge. So one you wanted to look at, you mentioned you're out to work today, but you got the kids at home. Let me just bring it up to you. Yeah. While I'm there, I'll take a peek at your trade. You can look around the car, see if you like it. Right? Guess what? Well, mean the customer where they want to be met. Yeah. No one's going to do that. <laughs> they really, <laughs> but it, not, but they it's really the perception aren't. that you're offering. It's yes. the willingness. See, I, that's you know. Okay, I think that's something we have to identify. Everyone out there watching, and listening right now, is that you know people get really kind of scared of these, you know big initiative these big customer experience initiatives and you know what some people will it'll be a small percentage of yeah. it but i think to what you're hinting at is the willingness to do it is that perceived value that sets you apart from your competition. and what i'm saying what i mean by no one's going to do it i mean no other sales guy is going to do that oh yes yes yeah because i i don't care 100%. if the customer takes me up on it or not because you know you've been in the business yeah. how many people are you actually going to talk to in front of you today Exactly. I mean, at a very busy store, three. Yeah. Right. If so that. if it's nine thirty and somebody inquires about a car, guess what? I can be to there. I can, if, even if I'm going to Cameron, <laughs> I can be to Cameron and back by noon. Yep. You know what I mean? And I still have the rest of the afternoon to talk to two more people, uh, and you know, face to face. So do it because the next guy down the street, the next guy that they call, he's not yeah. going to do it. Well, he's not going to offer it. No. As I'm saying, even if the customer doesn't take you up on it, it's the perception that you are willing to do it. Yeah. You know, I agree with you and, there, and too, that's what it is. Yeah. It's, it's that willingness to meet the customer where they want to be met. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I when I first uh, got taught to sell cars, all right, I remember it was a two-week training course that was unpaid, by the way, all right, and 30 people showed up, and the guy in the front said, I'm going to hire four of you. What? <laughs> Wait a second. This is this happens? This is a real thing? You know? Yeah. But you're all going to make six figures, so you're going to want to stick around. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I got I think I got conned into the business. Um, but I mean, I, I remember being taught this 12 point walk around. Okay. And the whole point of this walk around was to maintain control of the customer. Like, I remember one point they're telling me like, well, yeah, you open the hood because you're going to go over this and this and this and but don't use the latch. Don't use the latch. No, you make the customer keep the hood open for you as you present it. And it was this and it was a we are yeah. so far from those days. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank God we're so far from those days. But now I think the pendulum is swing almost so much more to the other side where it's like customer's expectation is that they're not they're not looking for a uh, a sales process to follow into, right? They're looking for a buying process and you have to meet them where they have been where where they want to be met. And if you got to drive out there then you got to drive out there, yeah. you know. What but are any to other walk, initiatives like that? The walk around though. I yeah. mean, I still we still train our guys that before they get on the floor. Yeah. 100% because, you know, it's uh, Grant Cardone he says when uh, value exceeds price, people buy things. <laughs> right? And I'm not a huge I'm not a huge uh, Cardone groupie or anything, but I think that that just that little phrase means a lot because yeah. he's right. So show the show the customers 
the car. Yep. Do a walk around. If they're going to listen to you do a walk around for five, maybe ten minutes at the most, you know, if it's a platinum four fifty or something, do it. Well, I think of it, it's also about the intention behind doing it, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like the old days, the intention was to maintain control. Today, it's about the intention is to educate and to connect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so funny. Like, you know, we use the word sales consultant many, many years. Yeah. I don't remember doing a whole hell of a lot of consulting when I, when I was selling cars. But then the progression change you know i would say maybe for me it was around 2010 you know kind of then moving forward and but but now even more so than ever the expectation is that i'm coming in to speak to a consultant yeah you know someone that's going to kind of help me and guide me through not a sales process right but a buying process that i'm comfortable as a consumer everything has to be tailored you know no different than the walk around because you can you can still talk too much in this business right (laughs) talk your way out of a deal that still happens you know so it's to and i preach it all the time is a relationship 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 Mm -hmm. right when you have because we still have a lot of the same sales processes like the guest assessment and the walk around and stuff like that. The point of those is to get to know the customer better, right? So when you're doing your guest assessment and you want to know the customer's needs and the customer's wants and the customer says, well, I want third row. Great. Do you have kids? Right. Genuinely be interested. Why do you need third row? Yep. Right. Well, Hey, I really want the blind spot mirrors. Cool. You know what? That's one of my favorite options. You know, the guys <laughs> make fun of me all the time. because I won't drive a car without bliss. Why do you want it? I just like it. Cause I don't like to, I don't like to lean up and look over, but why do you like it? Well, you know, I had a surgery. You know, you know, it might turn into a neck surgery because I raced ATVs or something back when they were a kid, right? Sure. As customers are talking about that kind of stuff, like you're building a relationship with that customer that's yes. literally going to last you forever. That's your retirement plan. Why would you not want to spend the time to get to know those <laughs> to things? To build the relationship. And still stay in the old school yes. process, you and know? I, and I find some of, some of the best dealerships out there. Um, you know, still have a major focus on client relationship. I, I, I'll pass... Uh, I'll share this with you. I want to get your kind of thoughts on this because, you know, someone told me this, a mentor of mine told me this when I was, you know, midway through my career. Right. And he goes, Jason, you only, you need to stop. And I said, what do I need to stop? And he goes, you only need to sell 500 cars in this business. I'm like looking at the rate I'm selling cars. I'm like, so wait, I'm going to be done in two years. Like, what, what do you, what do you mean? Like, is there, is, is there like this two year retirement plan that I don't know about? You know, like, what is this? He goes, no. You need to create 500 relationships and build on those relationships and you will have a lifelong career in this business. And that was eye opening mm-hmm. for me, you know, and, and, you know, luckily I had that mentor, you know, and I did take that advice and I did bring those, break those, those relationships. And I sold multi-generations of families, vehicles, you know, grandpa, yeah. dad, son, it's a good feeling. you know, and like, oh, it's an amazing feeling, yeah. right? So let's say, I tell people, think about getting to this business. I'm like, yes, but you understand it's a relationship business. But, you know, I think, I hate to say it, but, and I could be wrong, but I'd love to get your thoughts. You know, during that pandemic, I think we got, a, we got away from that a bit. 100% because it was like, hey, is that van still there? Which one? The Odyssey? Yep. Okay, I'm going to come up and grab that tomorrow. No, you won't. Somebody will be here tonight to get it. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, yeah, it was, we, thankfully, we did a pretty decent job, but I mean, we definitely, I mean, it was easy, right? Well, Even our guys that are really good at building relationships and love doing that, they got lazy. Yes. I got lazy. Hell, yeah. there's times customers would call and be like, I don't, like, I'm not going to try too hard to try to find another car for this guy. <laughs> number one, I, I probably don't have one. And number two, somebody's probably going to be here in the next hour to pick that thing up. Pretty you know, much. so I'm guilty of it too. I, they, they weren't the only ones that messed up. <laughs> Hell, I messed up plenty of times during the pandemic. I got lazy. I did. Well, because, you know, the uh, bus was there. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it was, it was like kind of physically happening at yes. that time, you know? Um, and I don't know about you, but I actually kind of like when the business is like how it is right now, where like you got to dig a little deep, you mm-hmm. know, like I, that, per, I, I don't know. I find most people that get into automotive are slight chaos junkies yeah. in themselves, you know, maybe because I came from a family that like had own, you know, managed restaurants and stuff. And there's just like chaos was like embedded in me or something. I kind of like, yeah, you know, like but I always want kind of a bit of a challenge, you know, and I feel, I feel I like this kind of coming back to say, it's like, no customers got options now. And, you know, I need to actually provide an experience to earn the opportunity to do business with them. You know, um, is have you guys seen that for yourselves as well? Now have you kind of seen that tide start shift? Oh yeah. But well, matter of fact, before I walked out here, um, I was in there. There was the Drews were in there buying a, uh, an Explorer. We dealer traded them. Scott Ostrander was helping them, and just worked worked his ass off for these customers. And right, he should right. That's what yeah, he should do. But 100%. he built a relationship with them. We went to Iowa, got an expedition for him. We got it down here. She texts me on Sunday. She's like, Hey Todd, I don't think I can do this. You know, that expensive of a car. I don't think sure. I want to do that can do it i just don't want that payment i'm like okay no big deal so instead of getting upset with them right we scott went back to the drawing boards and like hey what about this explorer it'll still serve the purpose right it's got the third row it's got similar equipment just a little bit smaller a little better fuel mileage much lower payment um and they were in here today and i went out and checked their hands i'm like hey i'm todd you know i've talked to you on the phone a few times we've text back and forth i just wanted to be able to put a face with the name they're like oh my god you guys are so great we really appreciate it right that (laughs) scott built a relationship with them um, and he did a great job. And she even told me, she was like, look, Todd, people have explorers, but we came here because like, you guys were the only guys that even called us back and sent us text messages. Well, actually you're being the consultant, cared, you know, right. Yeah. You were actually creating a relationship, yeah. you know, and relationships go way beyond, you know, you know, I, I think for anybody, when I'm ever, I'm talking to people that are coming into the business for the first time is, you know, I tell them a lot. I said, look, this is a marathon. All right. If anybody tells you otherwise, you know, they're full of it. Walk away from them. Like this isn't a sprint, right? Yeah. It, it's a marathon. And as you can tell, I've never run a marathon. Um, <laughs> but but here's what I know about people who have run marathons: is that you got to find your pace that you're comfortable with, and just continually execute that for a very very long period of time. You know, and and I'm seeing and I'm seeing that kind of come back into play again, you know, where it's like, okay, I got to get back into that. So like, I know we're getting towards the tail end of our time, but uh, before I let you go, I do want to actually ask that last question from you. Okay. Uh, if anybody out there watching, listening right now is thinking about getting into the car business. All right. What advice would you share with them? You know what? You summed it up really, really good there at the end. <laughs> you know, and we tell, we tell people here and, I, and there was a gentleman that uh, one of the founders of AutoFi said, uh, Something about a track star. Marathon racers and track stars. But anyways. We always got good analogies in our business. Yeah, yeah. there's tons of them out there for sure. But if you get into this business, be ready to work. Yeah. You know, it's not, if, if you get into the business thinking it's going to be nice because you're not going to have to be out doing backbreaking work and um, all of this, all the other reasons people get into this business. Uh, I mean, it's a mental game, but it's it's difficult. It, it's hard work, and you know, become the laziest person in the room. Figure out the easiest way to do to do things, mm-hmm. uh, the most efficient way to do things, <laughs> and you're going to find that the success is easy. You just have to stay busy, build a relationship because nobody's going to do it. Do a walk around because nobody's going to do it. <laughs> Give a shit about the relationship you have with that customer, yeah. right? Just care and nurture it. Send thank you cards. Send text messages. Little things, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, do all those little bitty things because guess what? You got time. You're going to be sitting around the coffee pot <laughs> just sitting there drinking coffee the majority of your time if you're not going to stay busy. So stay busy. If you get in this business, you stay busy and you're always talking to somebody about what you're doing. 
uh, you'll be successful, 100%. And if you don't like coffee, you probably don't want to be in this business. <laughs> yeah. Call that is monster. one thing I will say. I hate to admit it. I'm better now, but I was probably good two pots a day when I was at the dealership. Yeah. I, half the time, I never drank it warm. Mm-hmm. I was always pour a cup of coffee, leave it somewhere, and come back to it 15 minutes later when it was cold. Yeah. I don't think my entire career, if I ever drank an actual hot cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, but, hey, Dot, I've had so much fun jamming with you. This has been a blast. Uh, before I let you go, though, everyone out there watching and listening right now would maybe like to connect with you and kind of follow along with your journey What's the best way to do so? Uh, so my handle on uh, ins- or, yeah, Instagram is at usedfordman. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at uh, Todd Gentry, T-O-D-D-G-E-N-T-R-Y. Cell phone's 816-506-5298. Call me and text me anytime. Uh, I'd love to connect. Love this business. So kind of ate up with it. So There you go. Like yeah. He puts it out there, man. Absolutely. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah. This is yeah, a lot of thank fun. Thank you. Really I appreciate, appreciate you. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Up Bus Podcast with your hosts, Jason Harris and Jason Rice. To stay up to date with all our content, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Happy podcasting.